When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Saturday, October 7th. Ohio State and Maryland post-game reaction show from the Land Grant Podcast Network. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I am joined by Justin Golba. If you are watching us on social media, on YouTube, welcome to the show. We are going to break down everything that we just saw on Fox's Big Noon broadcast in Ohio State's 37-17 win over Maryland, which, honestly, Justin, felt like just another Jekyll and Hyde performance. I am very happy that Dr. Jekyll ended up on the right side of this on Saturday because for a long time it did not feel like a victory was guaranteed for Ohio State or I mean at times if we were really kind of looking at the glass half empty it almost felt like it would be kind of a surprise for Ohio State to win this game but when they did because they decided to kind of make some changes in the second half and turn things up both offensively and defensively that led to a pretty pretty solid victory it was a cover for the Buckeyes which I know certain people were very happy about but another up and down game, not a perfect performance. But like I said, after the Notre Dame game, like a win's a win. You learn some things from this. There's a lot of things to be upset about. There's a lot of things that have to get fixed. But overall, the second half showed what this team is capable of. And if they can continue to do that moving forward, you know, maybe they get it figured out in time to play Penn State in two weeks. Maybe they lose that game, but get it figured out to play to, to play Michigan. Uh, at the end of the season and still make it to the to the college football playoff. Who knows? But second half vibes certainly kind of counteracted some of the negativity that was very much warranted in the first 35 to 40 minutes of that game. Yeah, at the end of the day, 14 knows the championship. You know, I know obviously that's a very optimistic way to look at things, but uh, I, I do think sometimes you're given gifts, right? I think that gift that Maryland gave Ohio State at the end of the, the half really kind of helped their momentum a little bit. If Maryland goes up there and they, they get a field goal, you know, they're winning at the half on the road. I think the vibes are a little bit different. But because, I mean, you saw the defense sprinting into the locker room. They were pretty pumped up about that stop. And they really didn't do anything. It was just an unbelievably bad play call by Maryland. I, I don't know if they just thought they had more time. I have no idea what that was. Uh, but, I mean, you know, red red zone issues uh, seem to be yeah. contagious uh, uh, on yeah. Saturday because there were issues on both Tulia Tungavailoa on that play, uh, Mike Loxley making some really poor decisions on short yardage. So, like, it felt like just being in proximity of Ryan Day in the red zone and short yardage um, was hurting Maryland, which I am not mad about by any shape or form. Yeah, I, it was it was very weird. I don't know. I just not familiar enough with Maryland. Know if Loxley or Gaddis calls the plays. I'm assuming it's probably a little bit of both, or however that works. But uh, yeah, they called like a 75 percent great game, and the other 25 percent probably lost them the game because yep. that third and fourth down was horrendous. I don't know why. Like you take, I I'm a big proponent of if you have a very clear best player on the team, put the ball in his hands. And Tua Lee is the best player Marf. on the team. And if you don't take if you take the ball out of his hands, you're just putting yourself in a position to lose the game. And they did in that regard. Yeah. So and credit to the defense. I mean, Josh Proctor had was just all over the field. He even made his best game. Special. Yeah, his, his, his best, best game I can think yeah. of. His obviously most memorable is that hit on Wisconsin that never mattered, which is always the funniest to me. But um, that was easily his best game. And then Lathan Ransom had another ph- phenomenal game. Sonny Styles was all over the field. That secondary Denzel Burke again. It's like yep. he's just he is just glued to receivers. It's incredible. Um, I loved the callback of Gus Johnson after he made that hit. Thankfully, he I wasn't thrown out of this game. 
<laughs> yeah. Thankfully, he wasn't thrown out of this game like Ward was. But uh, it was it was just the secondary just stepped up. I think the the front seven made plays kind of when they had to. Tyreek Williams is still, I think, the star of that group. Um, the weirdest missed tackle like I've ever seen by Tommy Eichenberg. I don't know if he just was running too fast and couldn't grab. I, that was a very odd play. But uh, for the most yeah. part, I think the defense really kind of just holding Maryland to 17 points, especially when they got the ball on the 20 for one of those touchdowns is an incredible feat in my opinion. So that was just yeah. a great defensive win. And then the offense just kind of did what the offense does. They just woke up and figured out Marvin Harrison Jr. is the second best player in football probably, and maybe the best and, you know, kind of rode that train. Yeah. We'll get into all of those details here in a second, but I do want to run through the stats. Overall, it didn't look like a great, performance by Ohio State when you look at just the raw numbers. The offense went for a total of 382 total yards, but 320 of those were through the air. They had 62 rushing yards, but they did have 83 sack adjusted, which means that Kyle McCord lost 20, 21 yards via the sack. Maryland had 302 yards uh, of total offense, 196 passing, 106 on the ground. Ohio State did have 10 penalties, including one against Ryan Day, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about here in a bit. Unfortunately, Ohio State's one of their main issues this season continued to show its head on third down. The Buckeyes were just three of 12, which is not good. And then on the other side of the ball, Maryland was eight for 19, which isn't great either, but much better than Ohio State did. Um, it, it, it's interesting to me. Because as you look at these numbers, Kyle McCord, 19 of 29 for 320 yards, two touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr. had eight receptions for 163 yards. These look like numbers that you would expect from C.J. Stroud to have an entire game. But really, Kyle McCord did that in mostly one play in the first half and then the rest in, in the second half. It felt to me like there is a hesitance early in the game to really let McCord throw the ball. And given what we saw from him in this game, especially early, like I understand that he was under throwing guys. There were two huge passes, one to Marv, one to Julian Fleming, where he severely underthrew him. And they might have been good throws anyway. They were deep, but he severely underthrew them and they had to come back and, and it nullified what probably would have been touchdowns if he had made good passes. But that's not his game. Like, that was Dwayne Haskins. That was C.J. Stroud and, to a lesser degree, Justin Fields. But, like, when the offense started to get creative, when they started to run something where there was some movement to get wide receivers open rather than just kind of relying on them on beating their man, but when they started to actually scheme up some stuff and McCord could get rid of the ball quickly, could throw the ball short and let his receivers be athletes and get yards after the catch. That's where that offense seemed to really thrive. The insistence on running the ball 33 times is, is insane to me. And now some of those were the sacks to Kyle McCord. Um, uh, but I, I just don't get it, Justin. Like the, 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 the offense seems to work so much better when they pass the ball, when they get it out quickly, and yet they still continue to not only run the ball, but run it to the short side of the field, run it in, in situations where they do not have numbers advantages. And, and I'm not sure why that is. And we can kind of get into that overall, but I, I do want to focus more on the positives here because I, I think once similar to what happened in the, in the fourth quarter against Notre Dame, once Kyle McCord and Ryan day got on the same page about what actually works it looked like an Ohio State offense. I, I'm not sure what they have to do to get it to be like that for an entire game. They haven't done that yet, but it does give me some confidence that they can figure it out and that hopefully, knock on wood, they will figure it out. How are you feeling about this offense? You tend to be much more optimistic and glasses half full than I am. So how are you feeling about the offense now um, after we've seen that entire game? So I, I think it's a little bit twofold. Um, because do I think this offense is like as good as they've been in years past? No, I don't think anybody would, would argue that. Um, however, I've seen enough now from the defense to know that, or at least to hope they don't have to be right. I think this defense can shut down and it's a little bit just because I'm not sure how good other offenses are in the country. Georgia has Carson Beck. That's a question mark. Michigan, they've been good, but they haven't played anybody. So still question mark, like all the top teams in the country, Texas just lost, so I don't know where they are. There's a bunch of different things going on. 
Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know Texas had lost. Good. Yeah, that was okay, why if you saw me looking to the side, my desktop is right here, and I was watching. Yeah, Oklahoma yeah. scored with like twelve seconds left. So nice. there's a lot of question marks just in the country when it comes to like different teams and stuff like that. Um, and I think the Ohio State defense, this is like the first time where I'm confident they can pretty much slow down, not stop, but slow down anybody and really let the offense take some pressure off the offense. It's not like LSU. LSU had to score 49 points today just to beat Missouri. Like that offense is going to have to carry them. It's different with Ohio State. I don't think the offense has to carry them now. And that's what we've seen in years past. It's been like, okay, well, I mean, they lost to Georgia 42-41, you know. Um, Michigan, the two lost to Michigan, they give up 87 points combined. Like all these things are kind of issues with the defense. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. So when I look at McCord, I don't, and I don't know how much arm strength he has. It doesn't look like he has the biggest arm in the world. He definitely has arm talent. I mean, that throw to Harrison at, in the, on, on the sideline was, well, that's, that's an NFL throw. You know, he has arm talent. I don't know that he has the biggest arm in the world in terms of strength. Like Justin Fields could sit back and flick his wrist and the ball goes 60 yards. Don't think McCord has that, at least yet. And that's where I think it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, instead of just kind of, you know, they have to scheme up more creative plays to get guys open. I think a big concern you saw early on was people were like, well, the receivers aren't getting separations, receivers aren't getting open. Something C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields did, I think, really well was they threw guys open, right? That's what NFL guys talk about. They throw guys open. McCord's not really going to do that. If a guy's open, he's going to hit him. I'm confident in that regard at this point. But I'm not as confident that he's going to be able to throw guys open and really kind of uh, take the pressure off the receivers to always get separation. So, and I think that's something that you've seen even with Egbuka as good as he, you know, in the Notre Dame game, he hit Egbuka for a couple of huge plays and every single, and every play he was pretty, he was open and he hit him. You know, the, the Fleming throw, I'm, I think it was just a little late or maybe just slipped. I'm not really sure what happened on that one. Uh, great play by Julian Fleming. He still made the catch, of course, but. That's where, and I think the Harrison on the deep ball that was short, I think he was, it was just late. I think he just was end up getting it out too late. And then Harrison was already 50 yards down the field. And that's a tough, you know, again, if you don't have the biggest arm in the world, that's a tough throw. So credit to him because they both still did complete the passes. But yeah, obviously, you know, I think we're so used to, I mean, it's, it's, it's safe to say we've just been spoiled. I mean, Fields and Stroud have two of the better arms I've seen in college football the past two decades in terms of Fields with his arm strength and arm talent and then Stroud in terms of his placement. I mean, his ball placement is like maybe better than I've ever seen in college. It was, yeah. it was unreal. So I think you're, you're seeing it with McCord. It seems like it's weird. He gets more comfortable as the games go on, but it's like he starts every game at zero, you know? And it's, it's like he's not really using confidence from other games. I thought he'd come on this game from the Notre Dame game, like firing, just ready to go. And he looked, he, but again, he looked a little kind of, maybe second guessing he wasn't seeing the field as great. And then as the game went on, he, the field started opened up. He started to see guys better. He started hitting them better and it's good to see him progress throughout the game, but it'd be nice to see maybe a little more game to game kind of progression, if that makes sense. Um, and we'll see. I mean, they play Purdue next week. That's kind of a nothing game. Purdue's really bad. And then they get Penn state and that's a team with full of NFL guys. So, you know, you'll, you'll kind of be able to see if he can use, what he's learned in the Notre Dame game and today and against Purdue and just put it all together. And maybe they don't, it, you get off to a bad start against Maryland. You can recover. You get off to a bad start against Penn state is a whole different story. So that's where yeah. I think it's, it's, it's kind of funny. They go off to a bad start against Maryland because Maryland's notorious for bad starts. But um, what we'll see if, if kind of the first quarter goes the way. And it's interesting because when you look at, you know, play calling, most people know the first two drives are pretty much scripted. And from there, you kind of you kind of evolve your adjust your play calling. So maybe it's a script the, the scripts aren't there. Maybe that's more of as they evolve through the game, him and Day get on the same page. I don't really know. Um yeah, I 33 rushes without Trayvon Henderson is insane. That's just like right. even if Trayvon Henderson was playing, that's a lot. But without your best back, that's it, it it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me it just and I di I didn't want to get into the negatives on this because like this is a team that is built to throw the ball yeah. like when you look at not only just the absurd collection of wide receivers but when you look at the inefficiencies 
of the offensive line. They are far better in pass protection than they are in run blocking. And so why Day continues to insist on trying to have this balance between run and pass in terms of numbers, you, you can't, I mean, although I think I said it on Twitter, like I'd be fine with an 85-15 split, which I don't think that's actually, you know, possible, but, you know, 65, 70 uh, percent throw, like I think makes legitimate sense where this offense is. And then you just have to be cognizant of when you mix the run in. Um, I do. I, I agree that I think Kyle McCord has arm talent. He is a different type of quarterback than either Justin Fields or Dwayne Haskins or uh, or, or CJ Stroud or really even, I guess, even different than than JT Barrett because he he he's, does he's different than Barrett, but it's probably the most comparable. Yeah, it's the most comparable, but he's not the runner that that Barrett was. But he has more arm talent. It's just it it's it feels like Day is still struggling to adjust the offense to what Kyle McCord does because when he figures it out, it's it was great. It was electric. But even even that last drive against Notre Dame, like he was only like what five for fourteen. We talked about it, you know, in the post game show then as well. So like it's not like he is he goes from being horrible to being a Heisman candidate. He still has issues he has to work through, but I don't feel like the coaching staff is putting Kyle McCord or the entire offense in the best positions to be successful and going with a, a, a split where it's more than 50% run. Even if you take out the sacks is not, it doesn't make sense. It just, it just literally defies logic. Um, but I do want to give them credit. They figured out the offense in the second half and I, I, I'll see if I can break down um, by half what the, uh, I don't know that I can, there we go. Um, in the second half, uh, Ohio state was 11 for 14 passing for two touchdowns. So like that tells you, that in the second half, they started to figure out what works. The first half, they were 8 for 15. Second half, 11 for 14. They got to figure out what was working and what wasn't working. The problem is, is that they were awful running the ball in both halves, and they only increased the number of rushes in the second half. So uh, on an offensive standpoint, like I think there are things to be very excited about. I think we are starting to see Ryan Day figure out what Kyle McCord can and can't do. He has to be able to implement that throughout an entire game plan. Like you said, like you mentioned earlier, there's not a whole lot of week to week progression. It feels like it's all in game progression, which is not what you want to see. But look, at this point, I, like I'm fine with not completely jettisoning, jettisoning the, the running game because you can't not run the ball, but pairing it down and using it not as like, the cornerstone of every drive, but using it as, as a weapon that you go to on occasion. I mean, look, Mayan Williams, who has, I mean, there's talk about them red shirting him, but like, he looked great. He only had six rushes, but he ran the ball for 23 yards. He looked physical. Uh, Chip Trainum, Trip Trainum had 20 attempts for 61 yards. That's a 3.1 yards per average, um, clip for Chip. Uh, Mayan only was at 3.8, but like he at least had a little fire to him. And I know Travion being out messes with things, but like it's just not working until you can get the run blocking better. Like I'm fine just not running the ball. Like I I just, I'm I'm totally okay with that, Justin. Yeah, I was even trying to pull a glass half full there in my head and go, well, at least, you know, for Chip, that means every three carries is a first down, but it's not. Uh, It's 9.3. That's not a first down. (laughs) So uh, math didn't do me great there. But and I do think it matters with with if Travion Henderson's healthy, I do really want them to push him because I think he's he's different than the other guys in my just because of the home run ability. I yes, mean, yes, one hundred percent. But like, I also feel like but, no, you're you're one hundred percent right. But I also don't feel like they use him properly. Like, yeah, it's like that, they, yeah, that's they, another that's another thing. So yeah. it's <laughs> it's like do it. Uh, it uh, that's a problem, and you know, far be it from me a, a complete moron who knows nothing about anything to say these things. But then if you go over and look at who I think in my time really following Ohio State football, the most incredible running back Ohio State has had yeah, is Maurice Claret. He's on Twitter talking about how talent is not being utilized. <laughs> like, 
look, Mo C is not shy. If <laughs> I was in college the same time that Mo C was. So like, I know this for, 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 for many, many years, he's not shy to speak his mind. And he does not think that Ohio state is fully utilizing its talent, both on offense or defense. And I think he's right. That's the problem. You've got the talent figure out how to use it. That is the coach's jobs. There is certainly execution issues in this game from the offense and defense, but we're talking about offense right now. There are execution issues, but I think the vast majority of the problems are coming from the coaches, not properly using yeah. who they have at their disposal. Yeah. And I, and I do think, and it's, it, to kind of go back to a point you made about JT Barrett, I think you made an interesting point because you said, um, the kind of like, they're not really sure how to utilize Kyle McCord as best because they haven't had him yet. And when you look at Ryan Day, Ryan Day wasn't there for JT Barrett, right? That was Urban Meyer. I don't know who on this staff. Uh, I think he was. He I think he yeah. was there. He was there for, for Barrett's last season. Okay. Uh, so, which would have been 20, 2017. 2017. Was uh, okay. So he, he was, he was there. Yeah. So that kind of negates my point then. So I'm not going <laughs> to, I was going to say, it's all right. So he hasn't really had that kind of guy yet. So he's still working through it. But if he has, then kind of negates what I'm saying. So, um, but it's still a little bit of just, you know, as you go through with these different quarterbacks and trying to use them. And, and look, trust me, I don't think all the issues are on Ryan Day. Kyle McCord needs to be Kyle McCord at some point. You know, there's there's certain times where, you know, uh, Joel Klatt kind of, and it was hilarious to me because Joel Klatt mentioned it immediately. He was saying he's not allowing the play to develop. He's just kind of taking it and he's running. And the hilarious part to me is that's exactly what people criticized CJ for last year. They're like, run the ball, run the ball. And the we we're saying, no, he's he's letting the play progress and he's letting guys get open. And that's what Kyle McCord's kind of not doing right now. He's kind of just he's like forcing pressure on himself because he'll roll out of the pocket where there's no pressure and then the pressure comes. And that's and that's a young quarterback. That's you know, there's things that I do think that's something that he'll work through. Um, unfortunately, at some point, like it's October 7th, was there, <laughs> there's been five games. You do have to start to see those things. And he's like, a junior. And, and, he's and, a junior. Yeah, and he's a junior. Yeah, exactly. So while he's a young guy in terms of starting, he's not young in terms of what he's seen in in, in the program. So yeah. that is all things so, that you know. That's where I I need to see a little more. And it, to me, like you said, it's just it's through the game. He looks more and more comfortable, and that's great. But it's the it's yeah. the weird like it's like the games aren't moving like from game to game, and that's where I'm curious to see how yeah. we do it. Let's wrap up the conversation on offense here. Where are you in terms of, I don't know, one to 10, one to a hundred, A, B, C, D, F, whatever. Give me a grade on where you are in terms of your confidence in this offense, not necessarily as it is now, but in terms of figuring it out when it matters, whether that's in two weeks uh, with Penn state coming to Columbus or, uh, you know, the Saturday after Thanksgiving when Michigan uh, is on the schedule again. Uh, do we have an injury update on Emeka Ibuka? That's important. That's uh, important to me. It is important. Yes. Uh, let's let's assume because he was walking okay. around yeah. at least. Yeah. Yes. And he only let's went down. He's he only okay. went down because Fleming told him to because of the play clock. So right. I'll, I'll I'll say he's okay. If he's okay, eight point five out of ten. I don't think there's too much worry. I think the Penn State game is going to be very interesting because they've kind of started games off like Ohio State. I mean, they were beating Northwestern last week at the half, like 14 to 7. Uh, the Illinois game, Drew Allaire was 11 for 22 at the half. Like, they kind of started games off slow, too, and then at some point the talent gap just overwhelms the other team. So I'm curious to see what that first quarter looks like because it could be ugly. It could be very ugly football for about 15 minutes until both teams figure it out. But And I've said this a couple of times. If this was last year, it'd be like a 5. Because I think Georgia and, and those teams are just so much better. This year, I just haven't seen any team look that amazing. Florida State struggled with Boston College. Like Georgia, I don't know what they are. Every, the, the minute they left Georgia, they looked average. Michigan, I think they're good, but the numbers haven't really, like McCarthy through three. And we just don't know because of who they played. Like, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. don't know. And we're not going to know for a while. They don't play Penn State till November. So, you know, it. it I don't know. So I'll say 0.5 for now. And I do think it's important. Like, Last, you know, uh, we've had to rely on the offense to have, you know, if, if this, if, if it gets to a shootout with a team, I don't know, you know, and maybe that means my offense, like my, my confidence level and strictly offense should go down a little bit because I don't know if they can win a shootout. I haven't seen it yet. Um, so we'll see. I, I trust this defense is better that they won't really get into a shootout with anybody. Um, so I, we'll see. I, I'll say about an eight, 8.5 right now. I 
the news on Trevor Henderson was pretty much that this was a precautionary measure that he, he sat out. So that's yeah. good. I do think he's important. I, I still think he's kind of the, the pin that might bring this offense all together because he's the one running back that might be able to break off a 60 yard run against Notre Dame and kind of win you the game. So we'll see, but I'll say about eight to 8.5 right now, but helped by all the right. defense, I'll say. All right, we're going to take a real quick break. I have to plug in my computer. I have to go grab that. So we will come back, talk about the defense and the rest of the game. So uh, stick with us here on the Land Grant Podcast Network post-game instant recap show. We are back. Sorry for the delay. I could not find my charger, so uh, I apologize about that. But we are back now to talk about the Ohio State 37-17 victory over the Maryland Terrapins in the horseshoe on Saturday, October 7th. Justin, we went through everything on the offensive side of the ball, but I do think we have to do a, a, a really important job of highlighting just how good this defense was. They gave up 17 points, which is the most they've given up all season. But as you mentioned earlier, one of those drives was, I mean, ridiculous after that muffed slash fake punt. Um, and, and it was really a short field for them. Otherwise, they seem to be settling into this thing where I don't want to call it a bend but don't break defense, Justin, because I, I, I feel like that has a negative connotation. They, they are settling into this idea where they will allow things to happen in front of them. We've, we've talked so much about how the big plays are really what killed Ohio State last season, most importantly against Michigan and against um, uh, against Georgia in the playoff. But they're finding ways not to let that happen. It can be frustrating when you see Tulia Tagovailoa scramble on a third and eight and, and pick something up. It can be frustrating when you see them just continually throwing the ball um, it, it, into the pockets in the zone. It can be frustrating, but they're not doing the thing that cost them a national championship last season, cost them a Big Ten championship, cost them a, a win against their rival. So I think you have to be excited about that. And what is really fascinating to me, Justin, is that part of doing that, part of being able to get off the field in the most important situations is that later in the game, somehow the defensive line steps up. They might not look great for the rest of the game. They might not get a ton of pressures. They might not get a ton of sacks. But at the end of the game, Guys like JT Tui Malowal, guys like Mike Hall throughout the game, even Caden Curry and Tyleek Williams step up and they have moments when it matters the most. They are not guys that are going to be putting up 19 sacks in a season, but it feels like the defense is starting to figure out who it is. And even though the defensive line might not be as good as we want it to be and might not do the things we want it to, they are coming up big when it matters the most. Yeah, no, I think Ben don't break is exactly how to word it. And I think okay. it's it's not negative in terms of this team because the problem over the past two years, as you said, is they broke all the big plays they couldn't <laughs> allow. They did. So I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I love a Ben don't break defense, especially when it's like you said, they're, they're, they don't have a chase young. They don't have a Nick Bosa. They don't have it. They don't have these guys that are completely dominant at their position. Denzel Burke is probably the closest thing they have. And I think he is the best corner in football at this point. Um, but they have guys that it's like you said, it's like, they know exactly kind of what it's kind of like a lot of what Tommy Eichenberg brings in my opinion, which outside of the egregious miss tackle, which he would agree was I'm sure egregious. Uh, they have a lot of guys that know their role, know kind of how know exactly what they want, um, to accomplish as a team. And I think that's a big part of the, they play as a team on defense. And that's what I think is really important. Uh, because, you know, we've talked a lot about the sacks and stuff, and I've said a couple of times I don't think a sacks is a good measure of really much because of how teams play offense nowadays. It's just can you get pressure on them? Can you kind of force them into bad positions? And they forced two lead, you know, two picks. The ransom pick was I, I just don't think he saw him, and the Josh Proctor pick was just Josh Proctor reading the, reading the play from the jump, a great play by him. But yeah. they really put two lead in, in some bad positions. And uh, it, it looked like early on, too, Liam might have one of his better games. He didn't even end up getting 200 yards passing. So no. two picks. He had a bad game, objectively. So they really turned it on in the second half. I think, and I think another big thing was something that I saw today that I hadn't seen was was the turnovers. They hadn't really been forcing too many turnovers, and mm -hmm. to force Tulia to make two. And look, Tulia is a great quarterback, but if you watch Maryland enough, 
you know he does he does have a tendency to, to make some mistakes. So it, that does happen. But I thought they you know they played phenomenal. I thought this game like before it started, I thought it might be kind of like last year where it, it where they play Maryland a lot. Whereas didn't with the Haskins here they beat them like fifty six to fifty five or something. Insane. It was fifty it was fifty two fifty one <laughs> where Maryland went for two in overtime and missed a wide open receiver. Otherwise, yeah. they would have won. lost. Yeah. So it was one of those things where like before this game, I was like, this game could be like that because Maryland's defense is solid, but. I wasn't sure they'd been te- they hadn't been tested all year, and I think Maryland's offense is good enough to really put up a lot of points. Those receivers are are weapons. They're very athletic. Jayshon, I think Jashawn Jones is the best receiver outside of Malachi Corley they faced this year. Uh, Denzel Burke did great on both of them. Malachi Corley is, is having an unreal year, by the way. That's that's turning into a really good game by Denzel Burke too, uh, Western Kentucky best receiver. So there's a lot of really really good things to take away from the defense. I I still don't think. You know, the front seven still, like I said, they're not, I don't, I wouldn't say they're elite. You know, the linebackers, they're kind of been a little up and down this year. Um, but I think that the back end of this defense is as good as it gets. Sonny Styles still, to, like, just if, if he can be out there, he has to be out there. It's just where, yeah. it's just how it is. It, it, look, I, I may, look, the, the linebackers have struggled in the last two games. And you mentioned Tommy ended up having a good game. He had a, a a couple missed tackles, but he he did end up. Let me go over to the defensive stats. He had thirteen tackles, seven of them solo, one QB hurry. So like Tommy's looking good. Yeah, Steel Steel is 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 looking to, to I don't want to say regress a little bit, but I thought he was really solid all of last season, and he looked really good in the first three games of twenty twenty three. He looked completely lost at times against Notre Dame, and, and I felt like it was the same situation here. The one thing where Steel Chambers really helps you is when he kind of either by design or by default ends up being the spy on a running quarterback. And there were a couple times when Tuolia very well might have been able to, to get first yards on scrambles, and Steele was there, and he's like, I'm good, I can run with you. Yeah. And, and he stopped him. But outside of that, I said it on Twitter during the game. It's like, why don't they just let Sonny Styles play linebacker? Like he is a linebacker. I, I know he's, he's technically a safety, but, but like size wise and athleticism wise and skill set wise, he is a linebacker. Yeah. So if you want to get Jordan Hancock in in that nickel corner role more often, keep Sonny on the field by letting him be a linebacker. That's what he is. That's what he will be at the next level in you know a, a year and a half from now when he gets drafted in the NFL. He's going to be a linebacker. So, I, you know, and it, a lot of people came back to me like, well, or, or they could let CJ Hicks play. Yes, that's fine too. Let them both play. Yeah. Find a way to get CJ Hicks and Sonny Styles on the field. I am totally fine with that. Steele, I think, has been a really, really solid guy in that linebacker rotation when they needed him because the linebacker room was shot. It was in trouble. If Steele Chambers doesn't make the switch from linebacker or from running back to linebacker in kind of be instantly pretty competent and decent at it. I think this team would have been much, much worse than it has been the last two seasons, but they're at the point now where they've got guys who can step into that role. And with all due respect to Cody Simon, who has been at Ohio state since I was there in the early two thousands, he's just not it. Like he, he can make some plays, but he's not the level of linebacker linebacker play they need. So keep Sonny Styles on the field. Let him play his safety position in situations where that makes sense. But when you need to bring on Jordan Hancock to play the nickel corner, move Sonny into his natural position. Let him play linebacker. It's all kind of running together anyway with this, you know, four two five or however they're 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 calling it. Just let him do that. Keep him on the field, and I think that makes that back seven even better than it already is. Because, like you said. Lathan Ransom, sorry for hitting the mic. Lathan Ransom and, and Josh Proctor have been phenomenal. I think that was Josh Proctor's best game as a Buckeye. He had a, a one and a half tackles for loss, seven total tackles. He obviously had that interception. I think the cornerbacks, yeah, well, I think Denzel Burke is great. I think Davidson Igbignosen struggled a little bit early in the game, um, but he he kind of made up for it. But if you can kind of just find a way to keep your best seven guys on the field, I, I think that's the best way to go. They've shown that they have tons of talent. But with my question is, Justin, and we can talk through this. What is the best personnel groupings for this team in the Big Ten season 
and then in the postseason, if they are to make it to a college football playoff, you have to be ready for both. You can't just sacrifice one for the other. And I think the best, especially in a potential CFP, is to have Sonny Styles on the field. Now, maybe you want a more traditional linebacker when you're playing run first teams in the Big Ten, and I get that. But you've got to find ways to keep Sonny on the field as often as possible. Yeah, I think your best personnel lineup is similar to kind of basketball. It's just get your five best athletes out there at some point and figure it out. Like that's kind of – and I, I think you bring up an interesting point about like Cody Simon and, and C.J. Hicks. Have we seen C.J. Hicks at all? I don't think he's we played haven't. very many defensive snaps at all. Maybe a couple early in the season in mop-up yeah. time, but he is mostly just playing – special teams. I'm just curious as to, and I don't know this cause I'm not, you know, I'm not a practice. I'm not, you know, I'm not a beat reporter or anything. The season stuff, what steel chamber not to less degree steel chambers, but more of a Cody Simon, what they're bringing in the CJ Hicks wouldn't. And I think that's kind of, and even you talk, you know, with steel chambers, it is nice when he's there to spot on the quarterback and be an, and be an athlete, be versatile, but that's exactly kind of what CJ Hicks is as well. So I, I'm, I've just, I, I would like to see a little more CJ Hicks, um, I think early on Seal Chambers was playing well enough to where I was like, okay, you know, he's he's earned this right. And I still think he's he's earned the, the right to be a starter for sure. But it would be nice to see just what CJ Hicks can provide, what he can bring. Uh, because it was similar to last year. I think a lot of people are like, look, I know Sonny Styles is like 16 or 17 because he was, you know, he got the early, but like like let's see him a little bit. Let's just see what he can do. And then this year he comes out and he's a, he's insane. So it is it would be nice to kind of see some of these younger guys, even though you know, you have some veterans at that position. And I do like, especially at the linebacker position, I do like experience. I think it's all very important. But for the linebacker position, if you want experience, that's what you've got, Tommy. That yeah. You've got him to be the leader in the in the yeah. experience in the middle. Bring in a young guy. And I did look it up. Um, I, I, I don't have the snap counts, obviously, for this game. But C.J. Hicks had a total of 28 defensive snaps in the first four games. He did not play on defense against Notre Dame. He had... One against Indiana, 16 against uh, Youngstown State, and uh, 11 against Western Kentucky. So he's played a little bit, but mostly just in mop-up time. But so, like you said, I like the basketball analogy. Get the best guys on the field and, and make it work. Yeah. You know, I, I, especially I, your best, I just, in my opinion, especially your best athletes. And especially when your yeah. athletes are guys like, you know, Sonny Styles. Yeah, he's like a safety, but he's he's a linebacker. Like he he can yeah. he can go up against any offensive lineman. He's so he's so strong, he's so physical. Like it just doesn't matter. Just put him out. You have him on the field. I don't care if he's lining up at the defensive tackle. Put him on the field. I don't care. Like I mean, I'd let him field. I'd let him play edge rusher. I mean, yeah, I, that's 100%. legitimately. I would legitimately let him play edge rusher. So let's go to let's go to the defensive line. I think when we get the final snap counts, JT Tuimaloel will have played every snap. Every I mean, pretty much. I think there was a couple times when he might have been off the field to get a blow. But he played them almost, you know, 95% of the snaps, I would guess. Jack Sawyer, I'm guessing, probably played 80 to 85% of the snaps. But when he was out, that gave us opportunities to see Kenyatta Jackson and especially Caden Curry. They weren't in a ton. But when they were in, they sh- they, they they showed. Yeah. And Caden uh, Curry made a couple of plays that I think were huge in the moment. Um, and I think they were mostly in, if not both in the first half, one in the first half, one in the early second half. And they were important. They were majorly important to that defense getting off the field or making big plays. Look, Jack Sawyer and I are both Pickerington guys. We, we come from the same hometown. I want him to be successful for whatever reason. I don't think his talent has been optimized as a Buckeye. And that might be because of scheme. That might be because of development. That might be because of his work ethic. I have no idea what it is. But what we thought Jack Sawyer was going to be is not who he has become. And, and at that point... You just have to find ways to let him have the best opportunity to succeed, but then also not letting the potential of what he could be or what you thought he could be override what the other guys are currently. Yeah. And and I think we have to, to, to have a serious conversation, not we, because what we talk about, no one cares about, like on, on in terms of the field, but like Larry Johnson and, and, and Jim Knowles have to have a conversation about is Caden Curry the best guy to opt to line up on the other side of the line with JT to him low out? I, 
I, I know I don't understand all of the intricacies of defensive line play, but if you're just talking about disruption and getting to the quarterback and making things difficult for him, which admittedly is what Jim Knowles normally talks about when he talks about defensive line, I, I think just on a purely percentage basis, like I think Caden Curry has done that better than Jack Sawyer has this year. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said, I think we're just still kind of infatuated with what we might have thought Jack Sawyer could have been. And or could be, and that's not to say he's been like horrible or bad. It's just no. the expectation for him was like, oh, exactly. he's the, we and we do this with every we did it with Zach Harrison. We do, he's the next Chase Young. He's the next Bosa. He's, and that's not a fair comparison. Nick Bosa just signed the the largest contract by a defensive end in history. Like these are different kinds of dudes. And you know, I think Jack Sawyer's been fine. I think he's been good. But I think we are a little bit kind of infatuated with like what the idea of what he what we thought he would be. And at this point, I mean, he he's going to be what he's going to be. You don't tend to really see too many jumps in terms of huge jumps at, at his uh, yeah, current age. So his career. Yeah. yeah, he's later in his career, which is crazy to say, I feel like we just started recruiting him. So I mean, time I, is flying. It, it doesn't seem that long since we had people camped out at the freaking CMH airport to watch JT Tui Malowal fly in yeah. from, from Washington. That seems yeah. like it was just yesterday with all the, uh, the Hawaiian shirts and the lays. Oh, what, what simpler times? I know. Okay. Scoop. It, where have you gone? <laughs> it is uh yeah i it's just crazy so i i do i do want i agree with Kane, i think Kane curry's look phenomenal i would love to see more of him and i think kenyatta jackson is kind of that not in the same realm but he is kind of that again he's an athlete he's kind of a guy that he's versatile and i think that's just when you can get those guys on the field sometimes you know you can work on their form form or whatever like you said i don't know the defensive line intricacies i'm not gonna act like i played that position or anything like that but I'm I do I see I know an athlete when I see one I know guys that are versatile and then you can work with that and mold it I'm a huge Larry Johnson guy Larry's uh, brother was my athletic director in high school AK one a great guy uh, so I love Larry Johnson and I know that he is very good at what he does very specifically uh, but I do need I do I, I wonder if it is a little bit of like just giving Jack Sawyer a little bit of the experienced edge or if it's if it's maybe him and Knowles aren't on the same page I have no idea how. Again, I don't know how that works with defenses, how they call plays or how they do for – I don't know how the personnel of that works, but uh, there does seem to be a little bit of maybe a – the word is escaping me, but maybe a disconnect, a little bit of like where they want this defense to go. And it's good that even if it's there, the defense still looks phenomenal. So when they yes. do figure that out and they do knock it down, um, you know, I do think Jack Sawyer gets credit because, he, you know, again – I, we thought the defense played phenomenal today, and he was out there for 85% of the snaps. That's not a coincidence. He is providing you something. But I just I think that it would be nice to see a little, just a little more. And I'm, I'm not saying Sword is already bench or anything, obviously, but no. like Caden Curry or just Kenyatta Jackson, a little more of them. Just, just, you just have to, I think you have, you owe it to them and you owe it to yourself to see what you have, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of where well, you're at. Yeah, I, I think there is value in experience. Like yeah, it, sure. there, there is, when you've got younger guys who are more athletically gifted for whatever reason, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you should play them over exper solid experienced guys because their experience, their knowledge, their familiarity with the system that can bridge the gap between what they can't do physically. They can do mentally. So I get that, but I think you have to have the opportunity to see what those young guys can do, especially as you start to get, against better teams with Penn state coming up in a couple of weeks. And even though Wisconsin lost and hasn't been maybe as good as we thought they might be in, in Luke uh, Fickle's first year, they're pretty good. That's a pretty good football team. Um, so you're going to have to play them and you're going to have to play obviously Michigan at the end of the season. So like getting the best, the best collection of talent on the field at the same time is important, but I will say the defense looks good. I mean, the, the defense looks legit. I, I really feel like this is a defense that can bridge the gap between what a CJ Stroud, Justin Fields offense was able to do and what a Kyle McCord offense is able to do. I think Kyle McCord still has some opportunities to grow and get to a level of being, you know, a consistent 300 yard passer, especially if Ryan day kind of figures out the best way to, to utilize that. But if he doesn't like, I think the defense makes up for that, uh, you know, especially over the last, you know, other than 2019, every year of Ryan Day's tenure at, at Ohio State has been a suboptimal defensive performance. And I feel like this is one where we're going to look back at the end of the season and say, this is one of the 
I don't want to say best, but it's one of the better defenses of the 21st century. Like I think they are legitimately that good. And the difference is going to be if they can do it against the best teams. And I think to do that, you have to be able to have your best players on the field. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say that, you know, it's nice. That's And that's why my confidence levels, I am definitely glass half, glass half full, but that's also why my confidence levels have stayed as high as they have is because every other year they've had a great offense, but they've had bad defenses and that's been their downfall this year. They don't have that. The only downfall in 2019 was you ran up against two generational type teams. Clemson had Trevor Lawrence, LSU had Joe Burrow. You weren't beating that LSU team no matter what. So it was just, you know, you just got unlucky. Sorry. I'm a Cavs fan. Cavs should have four titles if they weren't unlucky because of the Warriors. Like, that's just how it kind of is. You know, sometimes you get unlucky. That's why I think this year there's no LSU Burrow. There's no Trevor Lawrence Clemson, in my opinion. That's where as long as this defense can be consistent, be solid. I saw somebody tweet during the game, like, there's no way Kyle McCord can win a championship. I don't think Kyle McCord has to win you a championship. I think that's Kyle McCord won two. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly now. Do I? Th- I don't think this defense is quite on that Georgia level, but that Georgia level, that Georgia defense was it was historic, yeah. you know. And if you just need a guy that's going to do what he has to do, Kyle McCord still through five games and against I would say two pretty good defenses has one interception, right? He's not making huge mistakes. Um, I didn't love when he was getting sacked that little pitch to Chip Trainium. that was terrifying. Other than that, you learn from that, you know, just take the sack next time. Uh, because it wasn't even as or, or at least. Or at least, or at least, chip, knock it down. You yeah, don't have to yeah, actually catch, catch that. Don't knock catch it down. You. Yeah, just don't bat it down. It's yeah. Fine. So things like that terrify me. But other than that, as long as you just you just play consistent, Kyle McCord, as long as he stays a little, as long as he just trust Harrison, trust Egbuka, trust the guys you have, and then you know, and at that point, let the defense kind of carry you. I think this defense can take you a far, a long way, which is I, nice. I to agree. Start. Yeah, it's nice. It, it's a nice um, uh, adjustment there. I, I will just say. Marv needs to be targeted. I said during the game, every other play, that was obviously a little bit of hyperbole. But like Marv, Marv needs to be needs to be targeted every three or four plays. Yeah. Like it, I, I understand that there are going to be times when he's just not open and you can't throw to him, but he needs to be the number one option in a route more times than he's not. He is the best player in the country, especially if, like we talked about earlier, Emeka is it has any sort of injury, which I don't. He seemed to be up and moving around uh, okay. So, but but if he's out, like I understand that the defense are focusing on him, but like he's still an alien. Like he's he's a literal being from another world, and just make sure that you are keeping him factored in there. The one other thing I want to talk about is why do Ohio State special teams suck? Because they're they're awful. I mean, they're just bad. And and our, our our colleague, Gene Ross, has been on the anti-Parker Fleming train for a long time. I am not against having a full-time special teams coordinator. Like, I think I, I understand why you do that. But when you do that, they have to be really good. And they are not. They are, in fact, really, really bad. And I don't understand. Because during the Jim Trestle days... During the Urban Meyer days, special I mean, teams was bread and butter. Yeah, I mean they were phenomenal, but and and they've carried the ideas of if you want to be the next guy on either offense or defense, you have to play special teams. So those young studs are still playing special teams, and when they graduate, not like literally graduate and leave Ohio State, but like when they graduate to being starters on mm-hmm. offense and defense, they're fantastic. So mm-hmm. what's the problem when they're on special teams right now? Is it the coach doesn't know what he's doing? I don't know. Is it that the, they don't actually practice it enough? And maybe that's an organizational problem from the top of the program. I don't know, but the special teams suck and it's going to come back and bite them. I do not put Ohio state losing to Georgia last year on that missed field goal, but there could be a game that comes down to a big field goal could come down to giving up a really bad punt return, which could be shanking a punt yourself. We saw almost all of those other than the field goal in this game. We saw a lot of bad special teams play, and I just don't get it. Like, I, you have the best athletes on the field in almost every game you ever play. That should be enough with a little bit of, of, of competent coaching to make your special teams at least above average. And at this point, they are struggling to even get to, like, they're here and below average is here. They're not, they're underneath below average as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) 
when it comes to special teams, I like I know the running joke is like, you know, you show like a picture of like a Parker Fleming, you're like, what does this guy even do? <clears throat> I don't ask that as a joke though. I don't know what a special teams coordinator does. If I was a special teams coordinator, I'd be like, run really fast and tackle him. I don't know. Yeah. What do you, you know, but it can't be a good thing when you ha- when you have a play and nobody knows if it was a fake punt on purpose or a bad snap. Like I don't, and I don't yeah. to this point. I don't know. I, I'm sure. Like this, this is a live yeah. recap, so maybe Ryan Day was asked in the press conference. I, I would hope he was because it, it was a I, huge play. But like, yeah, I, I do. Like what? I do think I do, I think it was a bad snap and it was a fake. I, I, agree. I agree. It was a bad snap on the fake. That's what I think. Yes, it, it would have because, to be the worst snap in the history of special teams. For it to be well, to the <laughs> right, because so well, you can tell it was probably supposed to be a fake because the offensive line, uh, some of the guys on the offensive line went to run block right away okay. rather than what they do in gun down. Right. But what it looked like was like the snap when he went to snap it, it the ball hit the ground and it kind of like he had to like push it, and so it was just a really bad like it just come on, man, like what are we doing? <laughs> Like literally, what are we doing? Yeah, and and that's the thing. I don't know. Like, and the, right there, I don't know if a fake punt there is Ryan Day. I don't know if that's Parker Fleming. Be like, hey, I no, saw that something. Better be Ryan Day. You that know, I'm be assuming Ryan it's Ryan Day, and that's a lot of pressure to put on the special teams coordinator. I know, like, there was a time at Kent State uh, when Sean, when I was there with Sean Lewis, uh, famously the Colorado offense coordinator now, uh, mm-hmm. where he like he told our special teams coordinator, look, if you see something, call it, and I'll, I'll trust you, and I'll call it. So maybe that's the kind of the case. I don't know. I, I just and I'm a Browns fan too, so I've never really seen good special teams play. So I don't know if I could even call it if I saw it. But I, yeah, it's 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 at the point to where like I don't I don't think it's hurt them yet because I don't think any of the losses are because of it. Again, a 52 yard field goal is not on. That's just that no, is what it I, is. I don't give that. Um, but it can, <laughs> and that's yeah, where that's what I mean. It, it's 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 like funny in the sense of it's like haha, like nervous chuckle. Of like, okay, this could be a problem. Gallows humor. Yeah. Yeah. And like field position is a very real thing, obviously, in football. And I think Jesse Murko, I don't know the numbers, but I'm sure he's a great punter. He's an Ohio State punter, so I'm sure he's good at it. But then, you know, he shanks the punt and you're like, like, that's gotta be his fault. But then you're like, but like, I don't, I don't know. It's so weird. I, special teams are a very interesting thing to me. Yeah, and they're not good. They need no. to be good. Yeah. There, there's no reason that Ohio State special teams should be as bad as they are. Well, that's where, and I saw some people this like early this season talk about like, well, you know, uh, you know, maybe this is more of like a trestle ball era. And I'm like, look, if they're gonna play trestle ball, they got to be a lot better on spe- his bread and butter with special teams. That was yeah. the whole thing. Um, so I don't, I don't think this team is gonna be at that level of special teams. So you have to be better in other areas, and that's hopefully they will be because yeah, I, it's very, yeah, I don't know. We'll it's 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 no bueno. All right, well, let's wrap it up here, Justin. Ohio State has Purdue next week. They have Penn On State Peacock. the week after. People are, very, people are very happy. Oh, yeah. well, my pull behind the curtain here, my day job is covering streaming services, so I am very familiar with all things Peacock, so maybe I'll do a, an explainer at some point I this love week. Peacock. But Peacock's great. They've got some, some good shows, both uh, some new shows. If you haven't checked out, like, Poker Face or Mrs. Davis. I think those are two of the best shows of 2023. They are exclusive to Peacock. They have all of the NBC Universal channels. So NBC, uh, Bravo, USA, all of that stuff. The next day episodes air uh, on that. So I watch The Voice on Peacock. Um, but then they also got like the TV, cha- the cable channel Reels and Hallmark. Or you can watch those live and on demand on Peacock. So Peacock's good. I like Peacock. Anyway, that's not what I wanted to talk about. Um, <laughs> Penn State in two weeks on the 21st. Not on Peacock. Not on Peacock. I, do, I, I don't think we know where that's going to be, but I'm assuming it's going to be Fox. Uh, I, yeah, no, no, no. It's not, definitely not going to be. <laughs> um, I, I believe Fox will have the, the first pick, and that should obviously be the first pick for that week, which we should know. That's I'm guessing cool. we'll, know, we'll know Sunday or Monday. Yeah. But they could they could execute one of their holds where they can wait until six days ahead of time. But – Either way, I don't know anything. I I, I, actually, I don't even actually remember when Penn State plays uh, on Saturday. So maybe they're playing already. Maybe it's over. I don't know. But having seen what you've seen from Penn State this season, having seen what we've seen from Ohio State this season, how are you feeling about that game now that Ohio State has five games in the books? 
you know, that they have two consecutive games against competent opponents. Now that we're starting to figure out if the defense is real or not and what the issues are on offense, what are your feelings about that matchup specifically? Yeah, Penn State's off this week, and then next week they play at home against UMass. So, uh, assuming John Brown, <laughs> so. genius, genius defensive mind, Don Brown, uh, formerly of uh, of Michigan. So is that he at UMass? Be, yeah, he's the head coach of UMass. Yeah, I know that. Well, they're one and six, so uh, yeah, they're going to walk into that Ohio State game, uh, which so Ohio State they play Purdue, but um, I you know Penn State is just one of those teams where like. I understand what everyone says about Penn State. You know, the talent's there. I covered Drew Lair in, in high school. He made some throws. Truly, I've never seen a high school quarterback make. I mean, he's he was phenomenal. He's a Northeast Ohio kid. Um, I, I, I live 10 minutes from Medina. So I know how good he is. But, it, like, again, the Illinois game, like, I watched that whole game. There were some, you know, it wasn't great. The Northwestern game, it wasn't great up until, like, halfway through the third quarter. Then talent just took over because Northwestern is – just, I mean, there's no worse program in the country right now than Northwestern. They look great against Iowa, and I give them that. They were 31 nothing. Obviously, the nothing is a nothing, but to score 31, Iowa's 31, defense is, yeah, yeah, is, that's that's great. So they're so they've kind of been like Ohio State. They've shown flashes, and there's also times where I think, and again, that's a new, a young quarterback, a new quarterback figuring some things out. Um, they have the weapons on on in the receiver position. Obviously, they have like three running backs. They like to go. I don't know who they actually consider their top running back is. I don't know if it's Nick Singleton or if it's Katron. Um, Allen? Allen. So yeah. they have a lot of – and they got a lot of dudes on on defense that are going to be playing on Sunday. So it's kind of what I say. You know, it's, it's a little bit like Ohio State. I think that game is going to be incredibly, incredibly close in terms of talent. So the question just becomes who executes better. At this yeah. point, probably Penn State, they probably executed a little better up to this point. But Ohio State's beat Notre Dame, and Penn State has not had that kind of win. Uh, the West Virginia wins looking a little better, but West Virginia still isn't that good, but they're better than no. I think people expected. So there's that. Uh, but I, I, right now I'd predict this game is going to come down to who might have the football last. And that's a fun yeah. game. I think it's huge. That's in Columbus. I think that's a huge factor into this um, that I think will, will help Kyle McCord is simply, I think yeah. that'll just, you got two young quarterbacks, the home crowd is going to help. So I'd say this is a wash for me. So like 24, 21 Ohio state, cause it's at home. Uh, my issues with Ryan Day have been well chronicled both on podcasts and on uh, landgrantholyland.com. So I, I think he's a, a great coach, a great human being, I, I, but I have issues with his play calling. My issues with Ryan Day pale in comparison to my reservations about yeah uh, i'm gonna say all the issues you have with ryan day trust me penn state yeah, fans have yeah. the exact james, same with franklin so it's fun yeah james franklin has like he knows how to lose games like himself he does not know how to win big games so like it's one of those things where i've said it all season with like Texas, who lost today usc who is going to lose a game because of their Some, defense yeah. like prove it to me like I, I have the, I have no problem saying that Penn State is one of the best teams in the country, and they have an incredible talent. But they're still coached by James Franklin. So, like, sh- show me once, yep. you know, show me you can do it, and then I will give you more credit. I think that they have the ability to do it. I'm not saying they can't do it, but like, if you're, you're gun against my head, if you're saying you have to make this decision as to whether or not Penn State can beat Ohio State or Michigan, I'm going to say no because they still are coached by a guy who, you know, Ryan Day goes into a turtle shell in big games at times. I can't even think of the appropriate, like, animal metaphor here. Like, ostrich buries his head in the sand. I don't know. Like, he he just, like, shits bricks in, in, in big games and in close situations. So, like, until you have a, a, an opportunity for James Franklin to, to, like, show me, not that he cares, you know, who I am, but, like, to show us all, Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it. It's the same way I felt up until two years ago with Michigan. You got, you got to show. Yeah, me. of course. And Michigan did, yeah. and Michigan did credit to them. And now it's flipped. Now Ohio State has to show me. And it's why, exactly. like, when people keep talking about like national rankings and stuff, and they keep dropping Georgia and stuff. Georgia's number one until they lose to me. That's just how it is. Oh it's, no, I don't agree with that. Yeah, but that's just that's to me. It's like you got to knock the dog off the mountain, and that's kind of where it is with with Ohio State. I've seen so many Penn State games. Penn State should have beat Ohio State. I was in the stadium for 2016. When you know with the JT, JT. Barrett great game, uh, you know, la- even last year, if JT 
Tulane yeah. Louisville doesn't have that kind of game. They probably lose. There's been so many different games where Penn State should have beat Ohio State and they just didn't. So until you do, you got to show you got to show me, and that's and that's where I'm at with Penn State. Just show me. Yeah, and they might. They're very good. And they might. They very well might, but it'll it'll be a surprise if James Franklin doesn't make it more difficult on them. All right, that is all that we have. Thank you for following along with our instant recap podcast to Ohio State's 37 to 37-17 uh, victory over the Maryland Terrapins. This is another very good victory for Ohio State, but still many, many things that this team has to improve. And like I said earlier, I think a lot of those improvements need to come from the coaching staff. So if you want to follow along with Land Grant's podcast network, you can follow us pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow Land Grant Pods. We don't we need to do more on there, Justin, quite honest with you. We generally just do most of our tweets from the Land Grant Holy Land account, Land Grant 33. You can follow me at BWW Matt. If you're watching us on the video, you can see it. Right there. I'm doing this backwards. There you go. Justin uh, at Justin underscore Goble. You can follow me at BWW Matt. Yeah, that what they say the best thing about being 5-0 and is the chance to go uh, be 6-0 and or whatever that is. So uh, we appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.